Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Monday, June 13th. I've got to say this, it felt pretty darn good to not check Twitter all weekend because there was no sports happening. And that is a rarity. I mean, we're in the middle of the NBA Finals and there wasn't a game on Sunday. How incredible is that? It was like you could just have like a great weekend and really not check out sports. I mean, listen, if you're checking baseball in the middle of June, you're a diehard baseball fan. If you're following the NHL playoffs, hey, you're the one. Uh, I, I basically, you know, played a lot of sports on Sunday. I'll talk about that shortly. And Saturday, followed my kid around to his basketball games. Um, I did not get to watch Stranger Things. I'm in a tough spot, and the dads out there will know. The wife's into it, my son's into it, and my daughter is terrified of it. So how do we three watch Stranger Things when the daughter's home? It's tough. And we couldn't watch it. My son's a little upset, and I, I kind of agree with him. But I don't know a solution yet, but such is dad life. So real quick. I do need to start before actually before I get to Steph Curry and Friday night's performance. I want to shout out. I, I, I think at least two dozen people hit me up. No podcast today on Saturday morning. That's the first time that's ever happened. 
and they were asking because game four was so ridiculously good. But before I get to game four and Steph Curry and our guest today, Eric Snow, former NBA point guard, I guess. Um, you know, he was a point guard in the Allen Iverson teams, played in Cleveland with LeBron. The, the, a few of you got the trivia question. Name the player who faced Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals and then played with LeBron, and that player is Eric Snow. Now, Eric Snow, uh, I'll tell you about the interview first. Eric Snow is a very well-spoken guy, and we had a great podcast interview. Of course, you know, as a former player, he's not willing to go Patrick Beverly and really express his feelings and go after people. And Eric Snow... We had a good talk. I think you guys will really like it, and you can tell where he's leaning on some topics. So that after we stopped recording, I couldn't help but ask a follow-up question. Now, we were not recording. And then next thing you know, it's like 30 minutes later, we're straight up arguing um, about the 90s era and today. It was it was interesting. And I think you guys just listen closely to what Snow says. It's obvious which side he's on and LeBron Jordan and all that stuff. But I think you guys are really going to like this. It's a good interview, and you know it's an off day in the NBA. So it's perfect listening while you're waiting for game five to start tonight. I will get the best bet at the end of the podcast, but from a dad sports note, I played in maybe my last soccer tournament over the weekend. It was an adult tournament. I played in one last month. We lost in the semifinals. So we stacked our team for this tournament and we, we did well. We should have won it if there was a championship game, but there was only group play and we kind of sputtered early. We led one, nothing in the second half and then lost two to one. And then in the next game, we led three to one and lost four to three. Just, we were still tinkering with some stuff. We dominate the last two games, the same two teams we had already played, but it didn't matter because one of the other teams rolled over and basically quit, which stunk. So we got second place, which was dumb. The thing that might have ended my uh, brief adult soccer career is you guys remember the last tournament? I like landed on my shoulder and busted up my AC joint. It, nothing significant, but I haven't played tennis since. I couldn't lift for two weeks. It was a hindrance. So I, I'm, I'm I have like a great opportunity after I, I a steal, and I I take one tick too long. I should have fired instantly. I wanted to get a step closer, and it gave the defender a second to come in. I posted this on my Instagram stories, and the defender's flying in. I mean, he is just flying in to try to save the day. And he makes a clean play, but in doing so, takes me out. And I land and my head slammed on the ground so hard. The hardest I've ever hit my head on the ground in any way, shape, or form. And instantly, I just start reaching for my head and I close my eyes. And I'm like, oh man, that hurts. That's not good. And I lay down and I'm like, all right, I think that's it. I think I'm done. I didn't actually see stars because I closed my eyes so quickly. Um, But it was an instant, like, just throbbing, and I just did not feel good. Now, there was no vomiting. I know with concussion, sometimes there's vomiting. But I needed, like, an ice pack on the back of my head for, like, 20 minutes. I did, like an idiot, go back in the game. You know, whatever. We ended up winning. And that was our final game. Now, if there was a championship game, of course I was going to play. I popped some Advil, and I was, like, ready to go. In reading about it when I got home, when I got home, I was, like, fatigued as hell. I instantly had to lie down. I was like, oh my gosh. And I'm ready to take a nap. And my brother calls and he's like, that's the last thing you could do. Do not take a nap. I was like, all right. And of course, then I'm Googling. You know, Google really is not good when you have any kind of injury. And I read about Liam Neeson's wife. He, she was, She's an actress. She was skiing 
slipped and hit her head on the ice and was like, ooh, I don't feel good. I'm going to lie down. And then never woke up and was and died. Obviously, I was not in dire straits. I drove home. Um, I just rested, no screens. I, I had World War Z on, but I was like not watching it. I like World War Z. I don't like zombie movies, but I love me some World War Z. And I knew I wasn't going to play in the basketball game. You know our basketball league. Um, but the concussion cemented. I was like, I'll bring my jersey in case we need it, you know, whatever. And I didn't even bring my stuff. I was like, I'm not playing. And we win our game. We didn't destroy this team. It, we won by eight. We should have crushed it. It was 12 to two. And, you know, we, we should have run them out of the gym. But we just, I don't know. They played a 2-3 zone. Me and uh, me and another guy are our three-point snipers. And we weren't there. So we didn't really have the floor spacing. And uh, it, it was a bit of a struggle for for us to to get separation. But we got the win. We're now 3-1. and one. And it's funny because the team we beat lost to last week. Remember I said they had a guy like an Anthony Edwards type player? We had like 37 points. I showed up early and I told our team, hey guys, show up so you can see this guy who beat us last week just so we can scout him to crush him later. Of course, he didn't show up this week. And the team that beat us last week finished with 22 points. They are nothing without that guy. Nothing. We'll beat him by 50 next time if he doesn't, if he's not there. And if he's there, we'll beat him anyway. Anyways, that's way too much dad sports. Let me quickly, since it's like three days old, I'll do a couple minutes on Steph Curry and Friday night. And... You know, we, we had an th- event at our church and I had paused the game at home. So, you know, I come home early. I'm not a great dad doing that, but I come home, I picked up our dog and I'm like, buddy, we got to watch this. And I'm just watching it. And Steph Curry is kind of in the zone. Then I had to go pick up the wife and kids from church and I paused the game again. And at that point, I'm texting with like six different groups of people about this. Just, you know, NBA fans uh, that I'm friends with and Warriors fans and I purposely did not look at the text because I didn't want to know. It was too good of a game. I could have watched the game on my phone in the car and I just refused. I was like, no, 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 no. I need the full experience and I want my kids to watch it with me. And folks, that fourth quarter, like I've now watched on YouTube, somebody cut up all of Curry's points. I've now watched that four times. It was a masterful performance and I tweeted this out. I know some people thought it was a little bit much. That was a Michael Jordan-type performance from Steph Curry. No exaggeration, no hyperbole. Consider this, the stakes. Down 2-1. to one. Clay isn't Clay. Draymond is not Draymond. It's the Steph Curry show. And you're on the road against the best defense in the NBA, who you know is going to be gunning for Curry's head. They had nothing, the Warriors, if Curry doesn't go nuts. And he still roasted them with a just an unbelievable assortment of shots. This was a Jordan-type performance, guys. And, and I don't have access to basketball reference to look this up. But maybe somebody who does can. How many players on the road, game four or later in the NBA Finals, have gone for 40-plus? I, I know LeBron's done it. I'm sure like Dwayne Wade and some other guys have done it. I will guarantee you it's less than like seven, less than five guys in the modern era. I don't really care. I'm sorry. There's a couple guys on on Twitter who love to bring up uh, 1950s and oh, Bob Pettit did this in 1961 or whatever it was. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's not that it doesn't count, but I can't take that seriously when I'm comparing it to today's NBA. There's like 11 teams in the league. Like, I, I'm sorry. So I, and this is not disrespectful to the 70s because obviously West and Chamberlain and even Russell in the 60s was dominant. So when you win eight straight titles or whatever Russell did, yeah, that that kind of matters. But like a one-off, 
game in 1959 NBA Finals? Like, no, I'm sorry. Um, I think it was one of the great performances of the modern era in the NBA Finals. I really do. They were underdogs. Curry, 43 points on 26 shots. This was the final. This was the, the basically the series. They can't go down 3-1. Everybody knows that. And, you know, Clay had 18. He was okay. Jordan Poole, my guy, delivered. Um, Andrew Wiggins. By the way, got to give some props to Andrew Wiggins. 17 and 16. Andrew Wiggins, three offensive boards. And you remember, offensive rebounds killed uh, the Warriors in game three. Game four, 16 offensive boards. Looney with four. Draymond had five. Wiggins, three. Curry, two. Other, the last final note, and then we'll get to Eric Snow. Got to give some props to Steve Kerr. I have been yelling from the rooftops on this podcast, on Colin Cowherd Show, everywhere I've gone. I do, ra- I do probably one or two radio shows a day, and I'm always saying, more Looney, less Draymond. That's what I was saying all week. Like, you need to seriously consider this, Kerr. And he benched Draymond in the fourth quarter. They were down by four. Draymond goes to, the, I think it was 94-90. Draymond goes to the bench. He didn't come in until they were up four. And then, and I, you know, this was smart, and I'm sure it hurt Draymond's pride. It was an offensive-defensive situation. When they were on D, bring in Draymond. When they were on offense, let's sub him out. Looney played his most minutes in the series, 28. He was plus 21. Like, I'm just, it, 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 it's not rocket science with Looney. And right now, Draymond is, is in it. I think he, shoot, he, he shot one of seven in game four. Folks, do you realize Draymond Green in this series, right? This is a former All-NBA guy shooting 30% from the field. 30. He's been bad. It was smart of Steve Kerr to bench him. I, I, I had also asked for Kaminga. We didn't see that. But um, the Otto Porter start, I, I don't know that it did much. Basically, they don't want to play Draymond and Looney at the same time. And uh, Porter only played 15 minutes. Bielitsa. Can we give some Bielitsa some props? I thought he guarded Tatum kind of well, but I don't hope they don't go back to that because you know Tatum is going to be angry because he's seen it. Uh, Tatum did not have a, a tremendous game. Jalen Brown was kind of bottled up. But the big key outside of Curry and uh, the the Wiggins rebounds and Looney over Draymond was the final like five minutes. Uh, Boston was outscored 17-3. They oddly were settling for a lot of jumpers, a lot of threes. And listen, when you hit threes all series, you start feeling yourself and Marcus Smart, three of nine. Jalen settled. Uh, Pritchard, had, Pritchard had a big shot and missed it. Derek White, I know he was okay but um, uh, with the 16 points, and he had three threes. But again, he was minus 19. Grant Williams is giving them nothing. Like, this series really did flip. And the Robert Williams thing is worth monitoring. If you notice in the fourth quarter, didn't really play that much. Is the knee bothering him? He did log 31 minutes. And if Robert Williams... Listen, if Robert Williams doesn't have it for Game 5, I think the the pick is probably going to have to be the Warriors. That being said, let's get to our interview. Eric Snow will do best bets at the end of the podcast. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. 
You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire a guy you know well if you follow the Big Ten. He's a Michigan State legend. He also played on several NBA teams, Seattle included, but I think I remember him most for being on that Sixers team that went to the finals and stunned the Lakers in game one. Let's welcome in Eric Snow, uh, former NBA point guard, current podcaster. How are you, Eric? I'm doing terrific. How are you doing? I, I can't complain. This situation with the uh, Sixers is something we're going to dive deep into. Obviously, you played in Philadelphia during uh, Iverson's yeah. prime. But if we don't mind, if you don't mind, we'll start with the uh, finals. And I'm just curious, your thoughts on this whole Steph Curry point guard. Is he not a point guard? Is he a point guard? What is a point guard in 2022? If you could just chime in on that for, for the audience, because we've been doing a lot on I Curry. Mean, and yeah, he's, he's, he's a basketball player. I mean, I think... <laughs> um, you know, a good um, friend of mine is coming out 
with a book and he talks about how the, the different positions should be expanded. And I totally agree with that. Um, Rashad has done, Phillips has done a great job with that. So if anybody want to figure out like what he's talking about, you look him up, Rashad Phillips. So he, he talks about a guy like Steph Curry. Um, it's just, I mean, it's different. I mean, Steph Curry is a great player. He's one of the best to ever do it, you know, best shooter to play. Um, it's just hard to always compare guys to different stages in life because the, the circumstances are different. The offense is different. Defense different. The rules are different. Like it was illegal offense uh, when I played, and most people don't even know that that existed. So um, it's just a lot of different things. I, so I don't get into the what people are. I just know that he is a really good basketball player and one I enjoy watching. Yeah, Brad Stevens, uh, former coach of the Celtics, now in their front office, had said that he doesn't, I think this was like five years ago. He said, forget about point guard and forget about shooting guard. It's either you're a, a ball handler, you're a wing, or you're a big. Is that kind of the, what you subscribe to? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, you, you can say that, but still it's still different responsibilities for players. Um, I think you have, you, to me, you have the players that can do a lot more than other players. Some players are more restricted and, and they're especially, so most NBA guys are especially in something. That's why they're professionals. So it just depends on what your specialty is. And if you're multidimensional, especially like a Steph Curry or LeBron James. Yeah, you were in that era, you know, which it's, I say era, it was only 20 years ago. It doesn't feel like that long ago. <laughs> that is we're a long time ago. <laughs> it's not, I mean, in NBA years, it's it's an eternity. I'm looking at your three-point numbers. You know, the, the most threes you ever made in a season was 13. And that was like when they weren't shooting a ton of threes. Now, the yeah. rules had changed during your era. The hand-checking stuff. I am curious if you think, you know, the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s brand of basketball is kind of a, is it better or just different than what the brand of basketball is? I wouldn't necessarily consider it better or worse. I just think it's different. I mean, um, we didn't shoot threes because one, we weren't asked to shoot threes. We were, we were, whereas now they encourage it back then they discouraged. So, so why, I didn't even work on threes. Like my whole career, I didn't maybe one or two years towards the end of my career, I did, but I didn't even I didn't even work on them. So and most guys didn't because we just didn't shoot them. So it, it wasn't so 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 people will come and they'll look at the numbers and say, well, you couldn't shoot threes. So it was well, we didn't shoot threes, so we didn't shoot them. We couldn't, you know. So the focus was was totally different. I mean, it wasn't just from a player standpoint; it was from an organization and a coaching standpoint also. That, that eventually changed. Yeah, it feels like it was more of like the big man era, the 90s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, where it was inside out, right? You yeah. kick it into the big guy, and, and now it's like it's all guard and wing play. I mean, you look at the centers in the finals, it's like Robert Williams plays 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Kevon Looney plays like 20 minutes, you know? Um, so I, I know it's different. I, I'm curious from your perspective – do you kind of sometimes wish you might have played in this era where it's much more, hey, man, fire when ready? No, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited with the era I played in. I mean, I think that um, I think that most guys that are professionals can play in any era. They would just have to adapt or play differently or the role would be different. Um, but, no, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't wish that I play now. Um, I just think that, you know, my time was my time, and I'm enjoying the way these guys are playing now. Um, it was more of an inside-out. Um, compared to now, but if you look at you know guys now, I mean they still are attacking the basket. They just don't play with a true post. 
but they are still trying to get layups and trying to get dunks and trying to get transition baskets. Then they go to the three. Yeah, it's almost like you know when you're playing with Matumbo, he's kind of clogging the lane. You, you what do you got? You got to shoot the floater. You got to do the mid range because yeah. you go in there, it's going to be just a tangle of arms. Uh, and now you know Steph Curry and the Warriors basically just spread the floor so they can get a layup line if possible. Yeah. Um, I guess talk talk real quick about playing with a big like Matumbo and, and and what it was like in that era for people who maybe are on the younger side and didn't see that much. Of well, that, I mean, it uh, was different. I mean, the, when we went to the finals in two thousand one. Um, you play with a big because you could, you know, be a little more aggressive regarding the, the ball. And you tried to basically contest, pull up shots, tough shots on the perimeter, and then try to funnel them to a guy like Dikembe where he could play at the rim. So we never really had to challenge shots. We just played low, uh, made the, the ball handler kind of feel some pressure. And then whenever they go up for a layup, Dikembe's there. Yeah. That was sort of how you try to play, just try to keep your guy in front of you. Um then, you know, the next year is when they put in the zone rules. Um, and then, then it kind of changed as far as other teams became better defenders, defending teams because of those rule changes. Um, but before then, it was more of an individual thing. Like you had to be better individually. Um, then, you know, but I think now is that you, you, I think personally now you got to be even um, better defender and team defender because of the freedom of movement. So you got to be more adept to stand in front of your guy. But I think that you, you're more dependent on other guys on your team. So I think that, you know, the you, like the old saying goes, you're as strong as the weakest link. So if you have a weak link on your defense, they're going to exploit it. I think now they do a better job and they're more, you know, forcing the issue of going at a specific guy. Whereas when I played, it was more of, trying to force a guy to kind of take a shot offensively, whereas now they're really, really going at a guy um, defensively and trying to make those guys work. I mean, it's it's just a different philosophy, but I think, you know, both were effective. Yeah, certainly. Um, I, I think the one word that the current era doesn't like is soft. Yes. I look at that roster of, <laughs> this is staggering, of your Sixers team that went to the finals. You guys had five centers at one point. Theo Ratliff. Matumbo, Nazir Muhammad, Todd McCullough, and Matt Geiger. Uh, four of those guys are seven-footers. <laughs> I mean, there, there isn't a seven-footer, I don't think, in this series is playing a, a minute currently in the finals. But it was a different brand of basketball. Like you said, it, when you hear the current era soft, you know, Charles Barkley has said that. Oh, these guys are soft jump shooters, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. What, what do you make of those, this soft narrative for the current basketball versus the tough, gritty 90s guys? I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily call them soft because it's different. Um, I just think you have a, a brand of basketball that it's different when, when I was, when I was playing, it was, you know, a guy that could be very skilled and very talented could struggle because of the aggressive nature that you were allowed to play with. Mm. Um, it wasn't that he was a bad basketball player. It was just that a guy that was stronger and less talented could end up making him less effective. Whereas now you have, it's different, those, um, and I've always said, I don't think that the guys now are more talented than, than when I play. I just think there's more talented players, more skilled players. I don't think they're more skilled than the top players that we had. Um, but it's just more because of the, you know, they're not as, they're not allowed to play as aggressive with those big, strong guys 
like a guy like P.J. Tucker was way more P.J. Tucker's when I played. Um, whereas now he stands out, but you can see he's still effective, but he stands out because there's not a lot of them. But when I played, it was almost two or three on each team. Um, but that's just a style and people adapt it, just like everything else in life. People adapt and styles and things change and phones change. We didn't even have cell phones when I graduated college. Now, <laughs> now look what they have. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you use P.J. Tucker. I like that example because when he came into the league, I think out of Texas, you know, he was in the NBA. Yeah. And it was it was evolving to where like, hey, man, we don't really do power forwards anymore. And I think yeah. he had to go to China or Japan, somewhere internationally in Asia for like two or three years. And he changed his career. And now he comes back and here he is thriving at 35. And it, it just kind of shows the evolution of, you know, the power forward position. I mean – you know, you you mentioned physical nature. The word dog also comes up a lot. Like Patrick Beverly's a dog, and Marcus Smart's a dog defensively. Uh, how many dogs were playing in 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 the late '90s, early 2000s? Like everybody on the roster had to be one, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where it was different. I mean, you had to be somewhat aggressive because that was how you were successful. Um, because it was it was necessary and it was allowed. Um, so you had to kind of be aggressive with those guys that were really, really good. I mean, that's, that's the way teams kind of want. Um, you play against a, a Kobe Bryant and, and if you're not aggressive and he's aggressive then he's going to really embarrass you. So you've had to come, you know, get an advantage. And that was a way of getting an advantage um, to the best of your limit of pushing it, you know, to as, as much as you could do without constantly following people or getting in foul trouble. But it's, I think that, you know, Patrick and, 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 you know, Marcus are playing their, doing what they do best. I just think that they kind of, people kind of throw that name out for them because it's, it's different now that it's not a lot of them. Whereas, you know, earlier years that you had more guys like that, whereas now it's being that it's not as many, they stand out. Yeah. I, I, I want to pivot to Iverson real quick. Uh, he grew up a couple hours south of where I was, and you know uh, there was no internet when I was like in high school and stuff. So this guy was—you just read about him in the newspaper. Just a legend. I am curious, playing with him, did you ever find yourself just kind of watching him go to work offensively? Because he was one of the most yeah. dynamic one-on-one players of his era. Well, you—I mean, I, when when we were playing, I never really got caught up like just watching. Um, because I always had to be the one that was kind of making sure the team was running and pulling guys <laughs> back defensively and making sure we in our spots. So I was just telling someone the other day about, you know, the step over on T. Lou. Like, I didn't I didn't even see that play until, like, the replays mm-hmm. later. Like, I didn't even know that that had happened. Um, so you're, you're in the game, and I'm not necessarily focusing on him doing it, but I'm aware that, you know, he's, he's effective and he has it, he got it going because I was the one that majority of the time was trying to feed him the ball. So I'm, I'm aware of when he has it going and what he's doing. When you were, uh, you know, all defense well, with the Sixers, I'm yeah. assuming you guarded Iverson in practice. Outside of defending him in practice, who was the toughest guy in the league that you had to check back then? Because um, Jordan had just retired. Yeah, when Jordan was prior. gone, probably um, – Kobe Bryant, um, Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller, huh? And Stephon Marbury. 
No Vince Carter? Well, he's a little bigger, right? No, I didn't say they weren't tough. <laughs> like all those guys, Vince, T Mac, they were all tough. Steve Francis, like all those guys were tough. You just said who were who I who I felt was the toughest. Like right. it's yeah, it's not much of a difference between those three and some of the next three. Like it's it's mm-hmm. very close. Interesting. We've had some spirited Reggie Miller debates on this podcast and whether or not he was kind of elevated from a few high-profile games against Jordan and the Knicks. I know his numbers are great, obviously Hall of Famer, yeah. not trying to go at him, but like, you know, when you when you look at his career, like he didn't make that many all-star games. He was never really uh, an all-NBA guy. What made him so tough to defend? Um, constant movement, same thing that makes Steph Curry mm-hmm. <laughs> so effective, being able to score and get shots without dominating the basketball. So I, I, I'm a firm believer when a guy's coming from behind the defense, um, they're tough to defend because the help usually don't know where they are. Um, he can come off screens and he was six seven plus or whatever, he could catch and shoot. And if, you, if he's coming and he's turning left shoulder, you really can't impact the shot. Um, so he, it made it tough from that standpoint. And then he was so, you know, if you were aggressive with him, he was a floppy guy and, but he would push you and never get called for it. Um, he was just very good and very clever, very slick. Um, and, and when he was coming off those screens, like I just had trouble. Um, I mean, that was probably a guy that AI did. That was probably maybe the only guy that we played against that AI did a better job defending than, than me. Um, because AI didn't really, he could come off those screens because he was smaller. So he could, he could maneuver around those screens a little better than I could. Um, but yeah, I defended Reggie, but that, that was a tough one. I, I want to ask about the Sixers. You obviously know the team very, very well. Joel Embiid, one of the toughest guys in the league to guard. They had a tough season. Uh, the way it ended, I know Embiid was injured. The whole Ben Simmons fiasco, James Harden. I, are the Sixers at a crossroads here, Eric? Um, you know, given the whole, uh, you know, trust the process. Like, I know the process is ever evolving, but yeah. where do they go from here? Like, can they get better? The East seems I like mean, it's improving. I, I think they and, they have to get better. I mean, I think I want to give James a, a year where they have a training camp and they have a full season. Um, but it's still pieces that they need to add. But I think they're close. I mean, you know, Boston is in the finals and um, ended up with the same record. So um, it's it's not that far off, man. I think that, but I do feel that the urgency has to be high because I think that you got to take advantage of the the years and the success that Joel was having right now. Mm. Well, do you think Harden can still improve? I know you you sound optimistic, but yeah. I, this is not the same guy he was I'm three two three years ago. He was like an MVP. Candidate. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think if Joel is that guy, if he continues to improve, then I don't think James needs to be the Houston guy. I just think that he needs to um, mm. be a guy that can stay just as effective as he was and and make those timely shots and timely plays. I think that's what it's going to be. Can he take over a fourth quarter? I don't think you need to take over games because that's what Joel's for. But I do think that there's times where in fourth quarters that he has to come out and he has to dominate and be that guy that that can somewhat be a closer at times. That's what I, I, I do want. That, that's a great point about taking over in the fourth. I just wonder, though, you know, he had played with Dwight Howard yeah. in Houston. Didn't, that didn't work out. He thrived with these rim-running centers like the Clint Capella types. Yeah. And then now he's playing with Embiid, and he's older. Is this like, can you teach an old dog new tricks? Like, can you say to James Harden at this point, hey, James, 
we know you were ball dominant in Houston. You, I think, led the league in dribbles and average seconds with the ball in your hands. Can you just not do that anymore? We've got other guys like Maxi and Harris and Embiid. Can you just find your spots? Like, is that something Harden can learn to do at this age? Well, I think that he can. I think that, um, in my opinion, if Doc can maybe keep him off the ball a little more, uh, maybe when at times that Maxi can be the primary ball handler. I think that's the way you can look at it. And at the same time, I think James, if I if there was one thing I wish that I could change with him is that he would take more catch and shoot shots. Um, and I think that that'll kind of help because guys are going to still play James no matter what. They're going to still give him the attention. But the catch and shoot shots will um, allow guys to play him differently. I think a lot of times he passed those shots up and guys kind of played him that way and they were able to stay in front of him. So if he, you know, I think if that's maybe one adjustment he can make and um, if he's not a primary ball handler, now he can maybe adjust and doing some of those things where he don't feel like he has to be the ball dominant guy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that sounds good in theory, Eric. I just wonder, it, not the same player, but it almost sounds like they're Kevin loving him. Like, hey, go sit in the corner, off the ball, and catch and shoot threes. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that he'll you Kevin loving him because he, he's still going to be the primary ball handler. I'm just saying I think that there's times when uh, Maxie should be the primary ball handler. I, I think ultimately James is that guy. But if you're saying, but but at the same time, we can't say Joel's the number one option and then say that James is going to dominate the ball. Eventually, Joel's going to have to have the basketball, which means yeah. that he's going to be on the perimeter catching and shooting or catching and driving. So um, I, that's what I'm saying. That that's the, to me, that's the adjustment is that um, Joel is the true number one option. If James is not the true number one option, how else can he be effective other than coming down and dribbling and making a play. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Continental Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, 
You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Do you see a little of the Westbrook situation, just a little, in Harden's in that Russ has always been ball dominant, point guard in OKC, used to have the ball, and then he gets to L.A. and he's like, he doesn't have the ball. And I think he set one of the like the fewest screens in the league last year, or, or some absurd stat, like off the ball, he just doesn't know what to do without the ball in his hands. I don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a Russ doesn't know how to do as much as it is um, he doesn't know how to be, you know, maybe how they use him. So is it up to Russ to, what do you like, Russ doesn't know, like Russ knows how to play basketball. It's just that you have a ball-dominant guy like you are. Um, and if you move into the perimeter, um, you, you can't, in some, in some ways, you can't expect the same result. So I think that, um, you know, his confidence obviously has to grow. Um, but if, if, he's, if they're going to have him standing out there and shooting threes, um, get to the point where, Whichever three is your best three, get to that spot every time. I mean, I've seen guys do it. If you're going to shoot threes, maybe just, you know, be a corner three. But most point guards that aren't great shooters, like myself, didn't really like, even though it's closer, you don't really like the view of being in the corner. That's that's sort of a different shot, even though it's closer. So I just think he needs to kind of find when he's off the ball, what's his best shot? which location is best shot and try to get to that point. And at the same time, I think that maybe, you know, all the minutes that LeBron is off, he's on. So mm-hmm. that's, that's another way to kind of make I, I like that. To make sure that, that he's kind of um, having as much of a, you know, primary ball handler with LeBron not in the game. I think that's a way of kind of, hopefully D ham could do something like that. That's a way of kind of giving him the ball and giving him, getting him rhythm. I think, if he gets a rhythm with the ball, I think he'll make more shots. I, I love that, but that probably means Russ is coming off the bench, and that's something he's not, not necessarily. I think I think that you know Russ has to make sacrifice, but I think LeBron does too. Um, if if they wanted to make if they want to make it work, um, so you know obviously LeBron wants the ball as well. So I think LeBron will have to do a little more off the ball as well if they wanted to work. I think that you kind of give a little more um, because they're both great players and they both can make it work. I just think that it has to be a little fine balance. And I think how you divvy up the minutes and playing time um, and trying to split it up 
So they're not both primary ball handlers in at the same time. And people have done that before. You kind of split it up a little more, stack your minutes a little more. Um, I, but I don't think a guy has to move to the bench for that to happen. All right, we can wrap up, Eric, with uh, a, a talk about a topic that we obviously we love. You know, if you uh, do any TV, radio, podcasting, you love this topic. It's the Jordan-LeBron one. Uh-huh. And you're one of those players who actually played against Jordan in, yeah. I believe, the 96 finals with Seattle. Yeah. And then you played with LeBron, yeah. right, in the in the 07 finals. Did I get that correct? Yes. That is uh, – so you got to see Jordan up close when you were yeah. young. What do you – anything that jumps out off the page that you, you know, tell the grandkids about from the 96 finals? Seattle, I think, was down 3-0, then they won 2 and ended up losing 4-2. I mean, the thing about, like, when I played MJ, he was really good and so effective, and that was the back end of his career. Yeah. Um, so that was towards the end. And then LeBron, I played with him at the beginning of his career. So um, the one thing I know about MJ is, like – when people would say he's the best, I could see why. Um, when I played with LeBron, we used to always say young fella has a chance. And, and all that meant was he has the chance to be one of the best to ever play. And you could see it instantly like because they have so many things that you can't really teach and you can't learn. Either you got it or you don't. So I, I don't really get into a debate of who's the best between the two because there's so many great players yeah. Um, Dr. J was my favorite player growing up. Oh. Magic Johnson is what I, you know, admire the most, especially being a Spartan and playing my position. So I, I, I really don't get into, you know, talking about who's who because things are different. Things are yeah. you know, such different situations. I, I just think that um, if you if you got a table and you putting your greats out there, I think they both going to be on there. They're both at the table, right? Uh, I think the ways around it are, and, and again, you played in the league in the nineties. And, uh, you know, you played in the league when LeBron was coming up. Yeah. I think undeniably LeBron played in a much tougher era given the international scope of basketball now. You've got MVPs in Jokic, Giannis, Luka Doncic is putting up historical stuff. I, I, I would say, and there's a lot of evidence that supports it, that the NBA is deeper and stronger than it is now than it was in the yeah, 90s, I mean, coming can- off like... The expansion era. I mean, you can say that, but I, I don't. I think that it's different because the brand of basketball, um, the the amount of possessions people play, the way you had to play, and the reason why their possessions were smaller because it was so hard to, to score. So you had to make sure that you had to get better shots. And um, but I, I think that the international game has helped. But I, but I do think that it's it's a lot of players that played in the '90s and played in other eras that people don't realize how good they were. Because you you can't just look at a statistic and say, right. well, a guy had a D stats and compare it to a guy who played in the 80s or 90s and compare the stats with the game being different. Um, I just think that there's, there's a lot of guys that were really, really good that people don't kind of give the credit to for being being very – I mean, you got a guy like – Toss a guy out there. Just yeah, let's hear Clyde it. Drexler. Oh, yeah. Come on. He was on the Olympic team. I know, but he is. But people don't, you don't hear people talk about him when they say top two guards to ever play. His name never comes up. Mm. Well, I guess probably the argument I don't think he won a chip. Um, He won one in Houston. He won in Houston. Did he win? Oh, oh, that's right. With Elijah won in 96. Um, Or was it 94? One of those years. I'm just saying, but Um, if you you look at his career from Houston to in the pros in college and then in the pros and then. People will put D Wade and all these other guys ahead of him, and I guarantee you, I don't even know for certain. I guarantee you, his numbers are very similar to Dwayne Wade's. 
Interesting. Without even um, looking. I guarantee you they're very similar. Yeah, so he was first team All NBA once, uh, All NBA twice uh, on the second team. Yeah, look, he had a great career. He was an awesome player. But it, so you think he's right there on par with the Dwayne Wade? Yeah, interesting. I had not yeah, even considered so. that. To, That's uh, what I'm saying. So I think it's got and and and, and Dwayne Wade is incredible. But I I think Clyde Drexler. That's what I'm saying. I think there was guys that played that people don't realize how good they were. Um, huh. And and because you, now you look at the numbers that these guys were putting up, like it's crazy. Um, but the game has allowed that the the freedom of movement. The game. I think if a lot of those guys played with the freedom of movement, you would have seen increased numbers as well. Um, but but I do think these guys now are incredible, <laughs> and I just and I know for a fact those guys that that played before were incredible too. Uh, oh, the, I forgot. The defense is probably one that separates Wade a little bit. He was all defense three times. Drexler never was. Hey, the, the, um, the vote. Look, AI. I had one. I had more votes than AI for all defensive team one time. That should tell you about the voting of all defense. Oh, well, you, uh, the uh, the the all NBA. And AI, me and AI used to laugh about it because he used to always get more votes than me on all defense. So I, I don't put much weight into uh, all defense. Oh, that, that okay. That leads to a good question, Eric. So what? Do, how do you? What what do you put weight in? No, I'm saying I don't put much um, vote into I me, mean, much weight into the voting for the yeah. all defensive team. <laughs> okay, it can be spotty. Okay, because yes. for instance, a guy like Isaiah Thomas, I I don't think he's ever had like a top three MVP vote, the point guard from the Pistons. And meanwhile, Steph Curry, two MVPs, yeah. unanimous, the only unanimous MVP yeah, ever. A lot, but, people, but you got to also consider that a lot of people didn't like Isaiah. But Michael votes. Jordan didn't like him, and you heard well, what he said. Yeah. <laughs> But that stuff matters. That matters when you get into voting. That's why, you know, guys don't make all-star teams and all other stuff and all like it's it people have personal vendettas. And that's if you think that doesn't matter, then you're kidding yourself. No, no, that's a good that's a good point. Um back to LeBron Jordan. The other thing uh, that I've kind of said that I think is the best way to sum up LeBron and Jordan, I would rather have LeBron for the first 47 minutes. And I would have Jordan for the final minute because he was super clutch. But LeBron made everyone else better, uh, great rebounder because of his size, great passer. And, you know, Jordan in the final minute is going to lock you down and score the game. Yeah, I mean, some is, people, is that something you can get I mean, with or no? I mean, some people could say, well, I'd rather have Jordan before because you wouldn't have to worry about the last minute. It's, how you, it's why you look at it. <laughs> I guess you could say that if you wanted. Uh, so, so what's the best? You never played in the game seven in the finals. A, a slightly weaker era. One yeah, I mean that's your but, personal opinion. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You said it's slightly weaker. Slightly weaker. How? Like, well, I well would 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 you agree with me that the the league is deeper now? Like in the '90s, remember, like you know, Magic played Jordan so, in his first so let, finals. Let, and then let me let me give you an example. So, Golden State when Golden State won their championships. What team did you look out and be like? Fifteen, yeah. So when when they made their they made their run, what late team did you say that team has a chance to beat Golden State? Uh, well, in fifteen, I think they just steamrolled. And, and I'm just saying, in any in any year that they went to the finals, what year did you come in and say, "I yeah. think they'll beat Golden State"? No, nobody well, else. Um, I'm trying. Hold on one sec. I, I the '73 win team was favored. The team with Durant was favored. Although LeBron and Kyrie, that team was historically great. That Cavs team, all the yeah. But you seven. didn't. Did you look at them and say, "I think they can beat Golden State"? I, I'm a Curry guy, so I don't think they're ever. They're so so ever that's what I'm saying. So, but you're saying the era was so tough, but you can't sit up here and say it was a multiple teams that were expecting to win. Well, the the super team era obviously much tougher than the non super team era, right? 
But so you said the Arrow had teams. so many tough teams, had way tougher teams. That's what you said. Yeah. But where? Yeah, the super team era. Well, yeah, I mean, but I'm just saying. LeBron's heat? Yeah, like, um, no, but, you, but, you're going, but, you're, but you're going from year to year. I'm talking about in a particular season. Right. Well, the Warriors also built a super team to take down the super team, well, of Love, LeBron, and Kyrie. Yeah, so, I mean, so, so that all I'm saying is when like when the Bulls were had their run, then Spurs had their run, Lakers had their run, Pistons had their run, Lakers had their run, Boston had their run. That's the same thing. So how can you say well, one era is better okay, than the other? That's a, no, that's a good point. We have <laughs> talked about this. So the Lakers were great in the 80s, and by the 90s, they were toast. Uh, Magic retired early. The Pistons went to three straight finals, and that team broke basically broke down. Isaiah retired like two years later. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, Jordan really got destroyed by the Pistons in the playoffs until he finally beat them the last time. I don't think he ever knocked off the Celtics and Bird in the playoffs, mm -hmm. and they only beat Magic once. You know, they beat a lot of, like, Knicks, who I love the Knicks growing up, and they, they ripped my heart out several times. And you could argue, you know, Jordan didn't really defeat any great teams en route to the finals. I mean, your Sonics team was good, and some would say maybe the second best after the Jazz because Jordan was favored in the finals, I think, all six years. So, so that's what I'm saying. So you you think Barkley and Phoenix wasn't good? Barkley was. I mean, MVP? they were good. They yeah, were good. Okay. But they I'm just saying like they, the they were MVP. Um, yeah. The the Jazz. I mean, if you underrate the Jazz, th that's that's how I know you. If you don't think the Jazz were good, then that's how they were I good. know. They were good, but they were never. Uh, they were. I don't think they were ever favorites to win the championship at any point. That's, that's you. You've proven my point. They weren't favorite. The Bulls are favorite, just like Golden State was favorite. Just like the Lakers are favorite, the Spurs. So I'm so just saying, like, it's Bulls, all of who do you got? It's all the same eras. Like each era, they they had the top ten, the top one of the top teams that were favored. But to say that, like that era was different when you even like in the '80s before me, you had the Celtics and the Lakers winning championships. So that's two teams right there. Like Bird got three, Magic got five. Yeah. They did. I mean, they dominated the eight. Listen, that's the great. whole. That's the whole era. Nobody else. Yeah. yeah so I'm just saying. So how can you know the teams? Like I, I just want to understand how you can just say teams are tougher. I just think it's it's hard to win a championship. It is very it's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. I mean, to well, win I, one. Kawhi Leonard goes to the Raptors. You know, would you say uh, KD gets injured, played like what 15 minutes in the mm -hmm. series or something? Clay goes down in Game Six, yeah. like. Raptors have a championship, but does anybody really think they were the better team than the Warriors that year? I think if the best, yeah, I mean, I, I believe the, I mean, I don't think anybody doesn't believe that Golden State healthy were was the better right. team, um, but Toronto still won it. I mean, and so. then you know, last year the the Bucks, like you know, where where do they go down? Are they a super team with Holiday and Middleton who were not drafted by the team? I, I think they're just Giannis? a team that won a championship, just like the Pistons. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call them a you know a. a Super team. I don't. I don't. I don't get into the super team. But if a team wins the championship, they're a championship team. That's what they are. It yeah, doesn't really matter whether they're a super team. They are a championship team. They've proven it. Yeah. They've won it, and they got it done. So that's what they are. I mean, Isaiah Thomas though went to three straight finals. Like Giannis, uh, one finals appearance. You know, like I, he's still young. He's got a long yeah. way to go. But I, I don't know that this Bucks team last year was as good as like the Pistons. Do you? I mean, they went back to no, back. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm not saying that they're as good as anybody. But I'm just saying like the Pistons had that run, but they got one championship. So if they didn't win that one, will we say they're – would it make them any worse? They were really good, and they won the championship. I thought, I thought they had gone back-to-back. -back. I would have to call yeah, them. Yeah, they did go to the finals back-to-back, -back, but they won it once. They won, and then they lost the next year to the Spurs. I, 
for some reason I thought they. No, oh, I, oh, you're thinking of the oh oh Pistons. Okay, yes, I was thinking the of Pistons the Pistons uh, that I played, not not the not not Z. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. That that Pistons team was not great. Um, what about the Spurs dynasty? I think five championship trips in like 15 years, something yeah, like that. Yeah, when, is that when Tim Duncan a, arrived? <laughs> wow, they, they, very fortuitous for Popovich to get Tim Duncan. But uh, all right, Eric, we've kept you way too long. We we had a, I know you had a time, hard out, but uh, hey, man, I, I love chopping up the NBA. If you're ever in LA, you know we should we should uh, get you out to FS1 and and come on. It's a lot of fun, and uh, you know, congrats on a great career, especially in Michigan State as well. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you. All right, man, have a great one. Right, take it easy. The only thing better than sitting on your couch watching the game is making money while you do it. Here's your best bet. Good stuff from Eric Snow, former all-defensive player. Shared a backcourt with Allen Iverson. And I mentioned to a couple Philly fans that I know who live near me. um, Oh, hey, guys, I got Eric Snow coming up on the podcast. They're like, oh, Eric Snow. Yeah, solid player. And instantly... Instantly, I asked them, what is Eric Snow in today's NBA? And they go, well, he wasn't really a shooter, just a defensive kind of guy. Is he Patrick Beverly? Could, could he be a Patrick Beverly type player? Um, what, what is he? Is he a starting point guard? Is he a, a backup, like a, a, a Tony Allen type defender? I, I don't know what he is, but Eric Snow had a long and productive career in the NBA and the the whole like what is he is tough because it's like well if he was transplanted to now he would have to shoot they didn't want him shooting as he said on the pot and the guy made fifty one million um, according to Basketball Reference obviously had taxes and agent and stuff and um, but that's just a big uh, big picture view on him he made his biggest paycheck was his two thousand nine with the Cavs when wait two th- yeah yeah well. His last season was 2007, 2008, but you know how the salary cap works. You can make money even when you're not playing because contracts are guaranteed. At any rate, let's get to the best bets for tonight. And folks, Warriors are favored by three and a half. This is a tough read. I will, as everybody's already reminded you, surely, Boston has not lost back-to-back games in the playoffs. Did the Warriors figure anything out in game four or did Steph Curry just go volcanic? in TD Bank or TD Garden or whatever it's called. And that's a tough one. This is a very tough one to bet. I went 3-0 and with the bets that I gave out on Fox for Game 4. Game 5 is a tough one. Uh, I would like to bet the under, but again, the zigzag theory says, well, Boston's last time they scored 88 points in Game 2, what are they doing bouncing back at home? They were awesome. Well, now they're going on the road, Jay. And this is where I do think there's an edge for the Warriors. It used to be 2-3-2, right? The format for the finals. Now it's 2-2-1-1-1. The travel is going to catch up to some people. The Warriors are used to this. They've been they've been in the finals a ton. Are they going to be worn down? I personally don't think so. I do think the travel will impact a guy like Eric Williams. Uh, not Eric Williams. Um, Al Horford, the big guy who's now 36 years old, and really, have we heard from Al Horford since that Game 1 eruption? Like, what has he done? Answer, pretty much nothing. Remember, in Game 1, he had like a career game, went absolutely bonkers from three, like literally a career game, and he hasn't really done anything since. Now, they did have the extra day of rest. I get that, 
But since since then, Al Horford has not really been a factor. Do you do you bet against Al Horford here to to not have a good game? I mean, I'm looking at his game log. Al Horford, uh, 26 points in the opener. Last three games combined, 21 points. Like, I think you got to take a hard look. Again, six threes in the opener, three in the next three games. He's just, I, I don't know, guys. You could argue as Horford goes, the Celtics go, because you need that, like, third, fourth score. Game three, he had 11, 8, and 6. A solid game. Again, Not they didn't need a ton because Jalen Brown went, went bonkers and Marcus Smart had a good game and Tatum. But if the Warriors have figured out anything and if Robert Williams isn't there, I think, I think maybe the Warriors take this one. I, I mean, again, I'm, my problem in this series is I go head versus heart. And you guys know I'm a Curry fan. I like the Warriors. I don't like anything Boston. I do like Tatum, but I don't root for Boston. So I am openly rooting for Golden State to win. I mean, I I can't bet the Celtics here, but I don't know if I can bet Golden State. So then it's like, all right, Jay, well, where can you find an edge? I'm going to go back to this. I like the Jordan Poole numbers. Take a look at Jordan Poole overs. Three-pointers. He cleared it last game. He is a heat check guy. They're going to give him the green light because Gary Payton can't, can't, he has no offense for you. Payton is not a scorer. He's a really, really strong defender. But if Curry's not having a good game, and trust me, Boston is going to change things up on Curry. I mean, they have to. There's, I mean, I would look at overs for either Wiggins or Clay. This could be a Clay game because if, if, like, what are Boston's options? Like they can't, one guy's not going to stop Curry. They're doing the same pick and roll, high pick and roll uh, with Horford or Williams. So what is the move? You're going to have to trap Curry. Well, what does that mean? Someone's going to be open. It ain't going to be Draymond Green. It's probably going to be Wiggins or Clay. They know that they're going to get hugged up on. Well, which of those two guys do you like? And as this continues, I think Jordan Poole will get minutes. Now, Poole played 21 minutes in game four. Took 13 shots, okay? The guy is going to get his shots. That's what he does. He's awesome attacking the rim. He's great in transition. His minutes have gone 25, 23, 24, 21. And he's taken 10 and a half shots per game in barely 23 minutes. The guy's going to get his. I think Jordan Poole bets are safe. And remember, he's a great free throw shooter late in the game. He will be on the court um, to, to ice the game. I know defensively he can be a liability, but again, he played his fewest minutes in the series and took seven threes and 13 shots. That ain't changing, especially at home where he's going to play better. So I like Jordan. I would look at Jordan Poole, Clay, and Wiggins. No official bets. Check out my IG and Twitter for, for the official ones. Guys, I'm hoping Game Five's a classic. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.